Do you ever get so deep into your thoughts that you can actually see them? If I were to describe an object, would you be able to conjure it up in your mind's eye? Can you hold that object, turn it, move it back and forth, shrink it even? Can you hear what it might sound like if that object fell or was thrown across the room? Can you see that room in fine detail or is it blurry? Or do you not see images at all? Hello, my name is Hannah and this is the first episode of my podcast, Let's Talk About Mental Imagery. Topics will include the difference between mental imagery and imagination, if there is one, aphantasia, dreams, visions, religion, emotions, perception, memory, athletic performance, and even psychopathologies and their relationship to mental imagery. There will also be a few other items likely to be discussed as they relate to the topic at hand. This episode is simply a basic introduction to some of the topics being discussed across the series. If you feel interested in any of these topics on a more individual scale, I encourage you to go ahead and do your own research. Maybe you'll find something I haven't as of this podcast being recorded. Maybe you'll even do a better podcast than I can. Now, to the whiteboard. Cognition, according to the American Psychological Association, is all forms of knowing and awareness, such as perceiving, conceiving, remembering, reasoning, judging, imagining, and problem-solving. Along with affect and conation, it is one of the three traditionally identified components of the mind. Essentially, cognition is everything that goes on in our minds in relation to the environment around us, as well as how that environment influences us. A simple definition of mental imagery, which can be found by the American Psychological Association, defines it as a cognitive generation of sensory input from the five senses, individually or collectively, which is recalled from experience or self-generated in a non-experienced form. I'm going to pause here briefly to introduce you all to an article that will make quite a few appearances throughout this podcast. It will serve as a structural piece from which much of my research has stemmed, as it offers a unique opportunity to provide several perspectives of mental imagery. That article is simply titled Mental Imagery, and is written by editors from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Now, right back to the whiteboard. Did you see that whiteboard? Could you explain it if I asked you to? Mental imagery, as defined by the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, is perceptual representation not triggered directly by sensory input. Essentially, it is the ability to imagine something without the stimulus being immediately present. It also doesn't just occur in visualization. It can happen in all sense modalities and plays a role in perception, memory, emotion, language, desires, and execution of actions. This article also explains the content of mental imagery quite well. So when we get to that topic, I'm going to try and explain to you using this article as a crutch. Piggybacking off of the article's definition, mental imagery attributes properties to the imagined scene or includes imagined properties to the actual scene. So if I were to describe a room that you had been in before, would you add to what you remembered about that room if I didn't mention it? Here is a bit of an extended exercise, and hopefully you'll do it right. Close your eyes and just let your mind go blank. I mean it, completely blank. 
Give it a few seconds. Alright, now I want you to imagine that you are on a beach. The sun is setting, and there are brilliant displays of oranges and reds and pinks and purples blending into the fluffy white clouds. These clouds are spread out, and the sky stretches from the brilliant colors into a deepening blue color. The lake has light waves overlapping the sandy beach. These waves make little white crests as they reach the sand and then recede back into the large body of water. Hold that image now. Explore it. Walk along the beach. Are you filling anything in, such as the feeling of the sand on your feet? Did you add in a lifeguard's chair? Did you visualize other people at the beach? Is there a beach ball, or perhaps a few beach balls? Do you see seagulls, or hear them? Or do you not see anything? If you don't see anything, don't worry. There is nothing wrong with you. You just don't have the ability to visualize something that is being described to you. Maybe you don't see anything even if you are just on your own and thinking about something. I would like to introduce you to the term aphantasia. If you did know about this term, did you still try to imagine something? Aphantasia is a term many people may not be familiar with, but might actually be able to relate to. In layman's terms, aphantasia is the inability to mentally visualize something. As defined in the Stanford Encyclopedia Philosophy article Mental Imagery, people with this condition do not see images at all in their mind's eye. They do not report any conscious imagery at all. Between 3 and 4% of the world's population reports having this condition. That's quite a bit, to be honest. But it may be more common than that, simply because of interaction problems between people across many cultures, as well as how cultures define mind blindness, or more generally, subcultures sub are not easily accessible or readily accessible. Many people who have aphantasia also report that it took them quite a while to realize that they were not like most other people. In an article I read from my cognitive psychology class a few weeks back, the author reports that she was 23 years old when she found out. The article is aptly titled Experience. I cannot see things in my mind. She had been confused before she found out when people would say that characters did not match what they had imagined in the books. She had not been able to understand it because, as she states, in my mind's eye, they had never been images at all, just concepts. Do you relate to this? Other people who have reported similar experiences of finding out they do not have a mind's eye add that they did not think there was anything different about them. And don't worry, being different is perfectly fine. In fact, in one of the future episodes, there will be some interesting facts about aphantasia and artists. Aphantasia and mental imagery in general appears on a spectrum, according to the article Mental Imagery. While people with aphantasia typically score lower on vivid mental imagery tests, people with hyperphantasia score very high in mental imagery tests. There is, however, interpersonal variability in vividness of mental imagery. Some people might see more imagery, some people might see less, and even the vividness of that image varies across people. Some people might see blurry images. 
kind of like when you try to take a photo that isn't focused. Others might see photorealistic images, or even see their descriptions as movies. The next term that people may not be familiar with is the term synesthesia. If you've heard of it, congratulations. People with this report a strong visual experience of colors in response to auditory and or tactile experiences. There is also a possibility of taste and smell eliciting a similar response. An example of synesthesia would be people who report knowing how in tune an instrument is based on the sound and its accompanying color. The closer to an in-tune color the sound is, the better. Essentially, they don't really need a tuner to tune an instrument. It helps, but they don't really need it. Even further, some people report seeing stronger colors based on the strength of smell, as well as how it smells overall. Most studies suggest that about 1 in 2,000 people have synesthesia, and suggest that as per everything regarding life, there are actually really small or really large differences between people who report having this condition. So, what do you think so far? Have you heard of these things before? Can you relate to any of them? And if you want to do more research, I heavily encourage you to do so. In fact, you'll probably find more than I have. So, as you might remember, this podcast is looking into answering the question of how cognition plays a role in mental imagery. Throughout the next few episodes, I will be bringing up several different topics of mental imagery. I would like to challenge you to see how cognition plays a role in that. The way I see it, however, is how you think and how you interpret your environment can have a role in your own mental imagery. Because mental imagery is one of the many things that is individually based, and no person sees the same thing the same way as other people, there is a lot of variation in everything about mental imagery. This will include one's own beliefs, whether or not they are in sports, how they interpret things that they cannot explain, and many other items that can affect thinking and mental imagery. What do you think? How do you think cognition plays a role in mental imagery? As a slight introduction for the next episode, I would like to introduce you to imagination. Most of us have it. In fact, I have met a few people who haven't had it, but more often than not, imagination is pretty dominant in our society. The next episode will be discussing the possibility of there being a difference between the two, imagination and mental imagery. Until next time.